Heavenly Father, we pray that you might bless us with ears to hear. You're a God who is very ready to speak. You're a God who's very good at it. Give us ears to hear the truths that you say in this part of your word. And Father, we pray that we might understand them. We pray that we might believe them. We pray that we might be transformed by them. And we pray that that might be to your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. In case you didn't know, there is a woman from Pennsylvania doing some tours, uh, concerts in Australia at the moment. Can't remember her name. Her name is Taylor Swift. And due to her musical talents and her capacity for oversharing and the glories of capitalism, Taylor Swift is a megastar. She has a global army of devoted fans, some of whom are in this room, who call themselves Swifties. Uh, And the most devoted of these fans are pretty devoted. Jake is a Swiftie from Adelaide. He is 23 years old and he is a cashier at JB Hi-Fi. Jake just spent almost $10,000 to attend every one of Taylor Swift's American, uh, Australian shows. That's before all the Taylor Swift merchandise sold at such eye-watering prices. For Jake, the endorphin rush he gets at a Taylor Swift concert is the most precious thing in his life and so he will sacrifice everything to experience it. When Taylor Swift played in uh, Buenos Aires late last year, fans set up a camp at the stadium gate five months before the concert so that they would get to be at the front of the mosh pit because, and I quote a girl named Aylin, being close to Taylor Swift means the world to me. We will sacrifice everything for what is most precious to us. What is the most precious thing that there is? What is the most precious thing that there is? This is where Jesus goes next as he continues to teach his disciples in parables. He firstly shares two parables that make the point that the kingdom of heaven is more precious than anything. The kingdom of heaven is more precious than anything. Angela, can you just close that blind for me so that the sun is just at exactly the right angle to bounce off that window and bounce into my eye? The kingdom of heaven is more precious than anything. Since the beginning of chapter 13, Jesus has been using his parables to teach his disciples about some of the challenges that go with belonging to the kingdom of God in this present age. You remember there was hard ground and rocky soil and thorn bushes. There was weeds mixed with the wheat and the kingdom that was small and insignificant like a mustard, little tiny mustard seed or a pinch of yeast. It all sounds a bit like hard work, doesn't it? And that's on top of the stuff Jesus had taught earlier in chapter 5 about persecution and false accusations. In chapter 6 there were enemies who we had to love 
In chapter 10, there was hatred from neighbours and, and betrayal from our own flesh and blood. It all makes Jesus' kingdom of heaven seem pretty unattractive, doesn't it? But then Jesus tells his next two short parables. A man finds a treasure in a field. Back in those days, if enemies were threatening to overrun you, you'd bury your wealth somewhere in the hope that you would survive and then come back later and dig it up again. If you didn't survive, well, down the track, someone else might find it, like in this parable. Now, this is serious treasure. So the guy goes and he sells his house and his furniture and all the rest of his possessions so that he can buy the field and secure the treasure because it's worth more than all he already has. Sometimes people get hung up on the dodginess of hiding it again while he liquidates all of his assets to buy the field, which is to misunderstand how the parable works. It's not a little morality lesson going on here. Jesus includes the detail to show how desperate the man is to acquire this treasure, which emphasises just how valuable it is. Second parable follows a very similar pattern. A pearl merchant is looking for fine pearls. I didn't quite realise just how valuable pearls were in the first century Roman Empire. They were more highly prized than gold or diamonds. It is said that the Roman general Vitellius once paid the expenses of an entire military campaign by selling one particularly fine pearl from his mother's earring. Not sure what she thought about that. This merchant finds this special pearl and again he goes away and he sells everything he had to acquire it because it's the most precious pearl he's ever found. And the point that these two parables make is a very simple one. The kingdom of heaven is the most precious thing that there is and it is worth giving up everything for. The kingdom of heaven is the most precious thing that there is and it is worth giving up everything for. Why is that true? Sometimes the travel blogs have articles about which is the most valuable passport, which citizenship delivers the most benefits. Let me remind you of the blessings of citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Right back at, when, when Jesus' birth was announced, right back at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, why did the angel say he must be named Jesus. You will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. His people, the citizens of his kingdom, know that all that makes us unworthy of the kingdom has been washed away by the blood of our king. He's come to us as saviour. He's delivered us from our greatest enemy ourselves. And the guilt we've heaped up by our inclination to selfishness and pride and greed and lust and all the rest. He's wiped it all away. And because he's wiped it all away, he's made peace 
between us and the God who made us. The true and powerful source of all that is good and wise and beautiful. The glorious Father of all things now embraces us as his beloved children. And having washed us clean by the death of his Son, in the resurrection of his Son, he promises us a new day where all will be made right, where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for this old order of things has passed away. A day when death has been swallowed up in victory and we know resurrection and we shine like the sun. A day when our pain is gone, our weakness is gone, our fear is gone. A day when we look upon his divine face and know only peace and only joy and only happiness forever with him. We belong to that day. We belong to that God. This age is passing away. The creaks and the groans and the stench of its corruption and decay grow more and more obvious with every passing year. But we belong to the new and eternal age that will replace it. We will hear God declare with a voice like thunder, Behold, I make all things new. And then we will experience the blessed reality of it forever. Is that not the most precious thing? But the blessings that we will know in that new age, they also bleed over even into this fallen and corrupt age. We know the forgiveness of God now. We know the transforming spirit, power of his spirit in us now. He's with us now. And so we're never alone. We're never unloved. We have access to the wisdom of our king as he speaks to us in his word now. And so we know how life is wisely lived. We have the God-given resources for understanding the truth about who we are and what our lives are for. We have access to the power of our king who invites, who invites our prayers. God gives us one another to encourage one another in the journey, to pick one another up when we fall and to teach us things like patience and grace when we don't always succeed in encouraging and picking one another up. He gives us a a place of people where we belong. Friends, in the kingdom of God we have the most precious thing that there is. God and his kingdom is the treasure above every treasure. God and his kingdom is the pearl more precious than any other. And so do not hesitate to sacrifice anything else to seek first the kingdom of God. Pay any price to ensure that you do not miss out on the kingdom of heaven.
Of course, we don't enter the kingdom of heaven by paying some price of admission. We don't have to pay some ongoing subscription to remain in the kingdom of heaven. Christ has paid the only price necessary for us at the cross. We enter the kingdom and we remain in the kingdom simply by trusting ourselves to the King, Christ Jesus. But because Jesus is the Christ and we are very much not, faith in him involves sacrifice. Let me give you some examples. Life as citizens of his heavenly kingdom is at odds with the life of sin. And as the king, we read his word and the king reveals to us what is true and what is false, what is good, what is evil, we discover there are things we thought were good that are actually evil and things we thought were evil that are actually good. And that requires us to sacrifice ways of thinking and ways of life and and relationships that in our ignorance we would rather not sacrifice. There are also sometimes good things that he calls us to sacrifice for better things. There are things that threaten us as weeds and thorn bushes that would choke the spiritual life out of us. And so we must sacrifice them. There are relationships and dreams that we value but which are not ultimately spiritually good for us. And so we swap them for the sake of seeking first the kingdom of God as our ultimate relationship and as our ultimate dream. There are times we must sacrifice reputation and status, even relationships, in enduring the heat of the world's sinful opposition to the kingdom. At this moment in history, our culture has lost its anchorage in objective reality itself. It literally does not believe the testimony of its own eyes and blindly dismisses the accumulated experience of the entire human civilization. And so we we can't worship a God of truth without being thought foolish by that culture. It's not possible. The sacrifices must be made. But the point of these parables is that the sacrifices we make for the kingdom in this age are nothing in the face of how precious the kingdom is. The Apostle Paul knew that, right? He listed all the worldly privileges he had enjoyed and then lost for his faith in Christ. And what was his response? Do you remember? I count them as, what did he say? I count them as, yeah, I count them as rubbish compared to gaining Christ, Philippians 3. The Apostle Peter knew it. 1 Peter chapter 1 reminds us how we may have to suffer for a little while in this age but it's nothing compared to the inheritance that God has stored safely, he says, for us in heaven. Jesus knew it. That's why in Hebrews 12 2, we're told that he endured the sacrifice of the cross, scorning its shame for the heavenly joy set before him at the right hand of the Father's heavenly throne. All of us are called to make sacrifices for following the heavenly king in all sorts of different ways. It costs us relationships and reputation. It costs us time and money. It costs us worldly aspirations and earthly security. And many balk at the cost. 
Jesus is reminding us that his heavenly kingdom is worth it. The kingdom of heaven is more precious than anything. In the next parable, Jesus gives us the flip side of that coin. The alternative to the kingdom is terrifying. The alternative to the kingdom is terrifying. From verse 14, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to some fishermen using a dragnet. Last year, Julie and I visited some friends who live in Tasmania. Some of you will remember Rick and Fiona D'Souza. Rick decided that I needed to have a real Tasmanian experience. So he announced we were going to drag a net. I said, what does that mean? So we drove up somewhere near St Helens in northeast Tasmania on the coast and at dusk, at dusk, Rick and I were in our boardies on the sand with this big long net. It had floats on the top and lead weights on the bottom. And we walked out together into the 16 degree water and then once we were chest deep, we walked apart to stretch out the net and then we dragged this thing back to the beach, hauling our catch up onto the sand. Do you know how many fish we caught for all that effort? I'm hurt that you have such low expectations. (laughs) Two little tiny flounders. Tasmanian experience indeed. The fishermen in Jesus' parable, much more successful. Their net is full of fish. They bring it to shore, they dump it on the sand and then they sort them. The good ones go in a basket to keep, bad ones get thrown away, like our flounders got thrown away. From verse 39, Jesus makes the point of the parable clear. The end of this age... We'll be like the guys sitting on the beach sorting the fish. The end of this age is marked with judgment when the angels of God separate the righteous from the wicked. The righteous are those who have trusted themselves to Jesus, the heavenly king, and had their sins wiped away. The wicked are those who refuse to trust themselves to Jesus, the heavenly king. Those who have accepted and trusted his message, those who have ignored and rejected his message. And the fate of those who have ignored and rejected Jesus and his message is terrifying. My story story is funny, Jesus' story is terrifying. Verse 50, look at verse 50. He says, They will be thrown into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is an image of agony and great distress. Jesus is giving a description of people experiencing hell And the point of his parable is if you reject my kingdom, this is your fate. Can I say to you, if you've chosen so far not to embrace the glorious treasure and pearl of the kingdom of heaven by trusting Jesus, this parable is a warning to you. That is not a rational choice to make. Give your trust to the heavenly king. His blood will wipe your sin will wipe out your sin before God and you will receive full citizenship in his precious eternal kingdom. You need to do that. 
if you are a citizen of the heavenly kingdom, is this parable not powerful motivation to be engaged in the task of making more disciples? We have the most precious thing in the world to share and we have the most serious warning in the world to give. People need to know the blessing that they're missing out on and they need to know the terrifying danger that they face. So try and tell them. Which leads me to my final point. Those with ears to hear have mouths to speak. Look at verse 51. Jesus asks his disciples, Have you understood all these things? You remember from a couple of weeks ago, the parables are a judgment against those who do not wish to know the message Jesus has brought about the kingdom of heaven. But for those who do have ears to hear, they reveal the secrets of the heavenly kingdom. And the disciples, what's their reply to his question? Yes, they have understood what he's saying about the kingdom in these parables. They have ears to hear. And notice what Jesus says to them next from verse 52. Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. It's like because they've understood what he said about the kingdom, they're now able to be the true teachers of God's instruction because the true perspective is his perspective. He's the heavenly king and so he gives the true understanding of the heavenly kingdom and he's taught it to them and they've understood it and so now they're the ones who can go and share the true meaning of the kingdom of heaven. And then he compares them to a householder who's able to bring new and old treasures out of his story. What's his point? If the disciples have truly understood the secrets of the kingdom of heaven that he's been teaching them, they're able to share that precious teaching with others. And they will share a message that is old. Because like verse 35 told us last week, it involves things that have been God's plan since before the creation of the world. It is the message of the kingdom found right through the ancient scriptures. At the same time, it's new. Because the meaning of those ancient scriptures can only really be seen in the light of Jesus' teaching and ultimately of his death and resurrection. And so they're now teachers with a message to share that is both ancient and new. Having found the precious treasure of the kingdom, because Christ has taught it to them, they have a precious treasure to share with others. Have you understood what Jesus is teaching in these parables about the kingdom of heaven? If he asked you the question, would your answer be yes? You now have a treasure to share. Who are you seeking to share it with? The first two parables show how precious the kingdom of heaven is. The parable with the net shows us how urgent and important it is that people at least hear about the kingdom before the day of judgment comes against everyone who's not part of the kingdom. We who know how precious the kingdom is and how terrifying the judgment is We have a treasure to give. The treasure will often be rejected. We saw that in the first parable in chapter 13. The work of sharing the treasure will be difficult and it may look small like we saw last week. 
But God has given us ears to hear and Jesus has taught us the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. He's discipled us to be teachers of the kingdom with the expectation that we will not keep the precious news about the kingdom locked up in a storehouse, but that we'll bring it out and share it. Who are you seeking to share the precious treasure with? How are you going to seek to share it with them this week? How are you going to do that this week? Stop and think about that for a few seconds. How are you going to share it with them this week? Heavenly Father, cause us to see it for ourselves, just what a precious thing we have in the kingdom of heaven. You took us and you made us new. You wiped away everything, all the sin, all the failure. You made us your children. You made heaven our home. You gave us the hope of resurrection to eternal life. We know that day of no more death or mourning or crying or pain is coming. We know that this old order of things is passing away and that what comes next is magnificent and we're part of it because of Jesus. Father, may that truth be more precious to us than anything else. May that reality be more precious to us than anything else. And so, Father, we pray that we will willingly and without hesitation make the sacrifices that go with belonging to the kingdom. There are going to be sacrifices we have to make this week because of that, Father. Help us to make them with joy because we know how precious the kingdom is. And Father, help us to feel the weight of the judgment that will come as this broken, fallen age reaches its end. And Father, we pray as we see the preciousness of the kingdom and feel the weight of the judgment that is to come. We pray that we will be people who share the treasure that we've been given. Father, we pray this week that we will make the most of every opportunity. And Father, we pray in your grace and your mercy that you might work through our feeble and fumbling efforts to cause others to discover the great treasure and the precious pearl also and to delight in them as we do and to escape the judgment that is to come and receive the eternal blessing that is so much greater. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.